When I say can you dig it, put your two hands up like that. Another episode of Can You Dig It, a podcast by Silver Screen and Roll, an SB Nation Lakers community. I am Christian Rebus, and I am your only host for today's show because my usual co-host Jacob Rude is on vacation uh, for the next week. So, Jacob, if you're listening to this, I I hope you're enjoying yourself and getting some much-needed rest after um, after uh, doing uh, doing some good work over the last week while I was in Hawaii. So. Um, I thank you, sir, and I, I hope you're enjoying yourself. Uh, there is finally, I feel like, something to talk about after not having anything to talk about uh, for a little while. We're still a, over a month away from the start of the NBA regular season. There will be basketball games played this month. Um, it's not like they, they won't mean anything. Uh, but Dwight Howard had his introductory press conference call uh, today for the Lakers. And um, if you followed Dwight Howard's career for the past three or four years, you've probably got an idea of of what he said, um, you know, about having a fresh start, about, you know, making an impact on a team, doing whatever he can to help the team win, all that good stuff. Chose... Particularly in a quote he said about, you know, wanting to show Lakers fans in the city of Los Angeles, um, you know, how much he's grown over the last year and, and you know, where his mind is at uh, with this quote saying, quote, I'd rather let my actions speak louder than any words I can tell y'all. So I'm just going to keep it short and sweet and let my actions do the talking, which is great. Dwight's, Dwight's done a lot of talking over over the last several years um and like even before he signed with the lakers he went on the whole redemption tour through shams terrania of of the athletic just talking about how you know how much he's matured over over the last few years um how he hit rock bottom which he he confirmed like he clarified on his comments during his introductory conference call earlier uh saying that he meant rock bottom in his life personally rather than his career um i'd argue that he probably hit rock bottom in in both regards, but I mean, regardless of the fact, he is in a. I think I think he understands the narrative around him of being the guy that has been given three or four second chances in the last three four years, uh, and it and it really is make or break for him with the Lakers this season. Um, but luckily for him, he he's going to be put in a situation where they need him as much as as much as you know he needs them. And if he buys into his role, if he does what he's done well almost his entire career, which is block shots, rebound the ball, um, you know, and, and make open layups dunks, he's I, – I talked about this with Jacob on, on the pod a few weeks ago. I, I just – if he can do those things, I can't see how – he's any like worse than Tyson Chandler was like last season. And that's not a knock on Tyson Chandler because at at certain points of the season, particularly when he first got with the team, Tyson Chandler had one of the best net ratings on the team like 
period. He was he was just awesome defensively. Um, and obviously it was a limited sample size. Tyson Chandler didn't get to play as many games as he would have hoped because of just a nagging back injury. But Dwight this year will have an opportunity to fill that back up starting five role, assuming JaVale McGee starts. Um, and I think he can fill it well. And part of that optimism is rooted in the pictures the Lakers posted of him earlier today. Um, and my God, he lost weight, but like if if I lost weight, I would just look kind of skinny and and have loose skin. He lost weight, and his muscles look I don't know how even bigger and more defined. Um, he looks like he's in great shape. He looks like he really devoted um, somewhere to get his body right and you know staying on the floor as much as he can next season. Which for for a guy that's had. Two back procedures, two spinal procedures um, since 2013. Is that going to happen? I don't know. But, I mean, the hope is that he can stay healthy because the Lakers could really use him because uh, that center depth is looking pretty bleak unless, like, by some divine miracle, Kosasin and Nakumpo learns how to play center in the G League and, you know, the Lakers whip him into shape. Uh, otherwise... Uh, I, I don't know how they're going to fill up 48 minutes at the center position if, if, if Dwight isn't good. So um, we'll see what happens with Dwight and expect a lot more Dwight talk as uh, as the season gets started. Because uh, as some of you know, his contract is non-guaranteed. So if he doesn't show that he is capable of playing that backup five spot in training camp, the Lakers have structured his contract to where it is like... Very, very easy to waive him at any point of the season, um, particularly in the preseason. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, and I, I know Lakers fans, regardless of, of everything that happened in 2013 with the Dwight Mayor, uh, are hoping for the best. So Jacob isn't here, as I, as I mentioned before, and I don't have anybody to talk basketball with. And while I could just ramble on talking to myself and and devote a podcast to something I want to talk about, like Alex Caruso's breakout MVP campaign next season, um, which I don't know if if a player's ever won most improved defensive player of the year and and most valuable player, but I think uh, Alex Caruso can be in the running next season. Uh, All jokes aside, I turned the microphone to all of you indirectly and ask you to send me some of your questions that I can answer on the air. Uh, and you guys did that. So thank you so much. And because, um, there are, because I have a whole show to fill, really, I am going to be able to get to each and every one of your questions. So yeah, forgive me if I ramble on, on a few, I, I promise yours will be answered. So let's start with, um, well, funny enough, let, let's start with uh, somebody that claims to be an Alex Caruso official Stan account. Um, he asks, is Adam Silver worried that Alex Caruso will win everything possible and make the league non-competitive? That's so funny. I was just talking about Alex Caruso winning everything next season. Um, and he's, of course, talking about the fact <laughs> that the league, after seeing, well, I mean, we don't know why that's why they sent it. Um 
But Alex Caruso got a random drug test from the NBA just like maybe a day or two after uh, pictures of like altered pictures of him went viral of him looking like Steve Rogers and Captain America, the first Avenger. And uh, yeah, so he got a random drug test because it looked it looked very real. I, I mean, I did a double take because he looked huge and I was like, man. This is like this is like when LeBron James last season posted that picture on Instagram saying when Luke says you're going to be playing some four this season it's like yeah Caruso could Caruso could play the five if if that that image was real but unfortunately it was not and um I mean let's hope that Caruso is not taking any PEDs or anything like that and and passes that drug test um JR the track star asks Rather than use AD at the five sparingly during the regular season, why shouldn't the Lakers just use Kuzma in small ball lineups? Seems like McGee, Howard, and Kuzma can fill 48 minutes per game. Well, let me tell you, JR, the track star, um, the Lakers experimented, or should I say Luke Walton experimented with Kuzma at the five a bit last season. Um, and it wasn't, like, super inspiring. In fact, it was so bad that... Less than, I, I believe it was exactly 13 games into the season, uh, they had to bring in a backup center uh, in the form of Tyson Chandler because, I mean, Kuzma at the five just just won't work. Um, I, I do agree that M- McGee, Howard, and, and Davis can probably fill 48 minutes at that center position. And I think that's probably, a, it's a really solid back like center rotation. Um, but should Kuzma be part of that? Probably not. Um, and I'm, I'm actually really interested to see which position Kuzma plays next season, because you look at that forward position and especially if Anthony Davis does not intend on playing, uh, too many center minutes during the regular season. Um, the bulk of the Lakers talent is at that, at, at those forest forward spots with LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Kyle Kuzma. Like you can argue that the three best players are at those forward spots. So, uh, but they also have Jared Dudley, who I think can be, uh, you know, helpful to this team like he was with the Brooklyn Nets last season. Um, but if I had to choose between Jared Dudley playing the three and, and Kyle Kuzma playing the three, the three, I'd probably pick Kuzma. Just because, you know, Jared Dudley, as far along or as more far along as he is than Kuzma on the defensive end, uh, I don't I feel more comfortable with Kuzma defending wings than I do Dudley at at this stage of his career. Um, I mean, I I really don't think Jared Dudley has been a three since like before 2012. So, again, we'll see what happens. But I, I think bearing injuries Kyle Kuzma should not sniff the center position um so yeah thank you for the question Jerry the track star uh Matt at Zen Boy Laker fan asks if Dwight completely accept, accepts his role and shuts up is he better than JaVale um well I think whether or not Dwight is better than JaVale depends on like not even him accepting his role i think it really has to do with mobility at this point i mean dwight howard's up there in age 33 years old 
um, which, you know, LeBron's 34, and he can still dunk from the free throw line. But, again, as I mentioned before, Dwight Howard's had two back procedures since 2013. So, I mean, who knows how, how he can move anymore? Apparently, he convinced the Lakers' front office that he he still has it. Um, and he's looked pretty good in, in workout videos and empty gyms. It's just, I mean, he played, what, all of nine games for the Washington Wizards last season before being shut down. So, I mean, I don't know. That's what it boils down to to me because I think getting Dwight Howard to buy into a role where he just, you know, dunks the ball, rebounds, and occasionally blocks, which his blocks have been down in recent years. But, again, that that has a lot to do with his mobility and not being able to jump as high as he used to. Um, but if he like, like even loosely resembles the player he was in Charlotte just two years ago, the, the guy that averaged 16.6 points and 12.5 rebounds on, on 55.5% shooting from the field. Um, that's a good player. And, and you know, if that, if that athleticism, you know, peaks its, its head this time around, or at this stage of his career, I should say, um, then, yeah, the Lakers have a valuable backup, starting, whatever, center on their hand, uh, and, and Dwight could play his way into another contract next season. So even more than the mental part of it, it's, it's just really about how much a 33-year-old Dwight Howard coming off of an injury can perform uh, next season. So... Uh, Matt, thanks for the question. On to the next. Rab at the underscore Rab1 asks, How can Hart talk smack when he spent his entire time playing Fortnite? These kids are lacking the Mamba mentality, no respect for hard work, and frankly, no respect for their franchises. Uh, Rab is referring to comments made on... Uh, or comments Hart made on his podcast, Lighthearted, uh, where he said, basically, the, to make a long story short, Lonzo Ball said that when he went to go visit his younger brother, Lamelo in Lithuania, it was very depressing and uh, that nobody there really liked each other. Uh, and Hart said in reply, sounds like L.A. And instead of, like, letting it pass by, um, he doubled down and said, I was going to say the Lakers organization uh, as opposed to the city of Los Angeles. Um, you know, I, I think it was pretty clear, like even before he got traded, uh, that Hart didn't have the best relationship with the organization at large. Um, why? I do not know. I mean, he got plenty of opportunities with the team. Um, I think he averaged something like, 25.6 minutes per game in a second season with the Lakers and started 22 games. Um, so, I mean, he had he had a productive time here out, outside of injuries. Um, but, I mean, I get it. Like, being I – mean, and, and we've heard this from, you know, the likes of David Griffin that just, just being around a LeBron James team can be pretty taxing. And um, especially 
you know, going into your second year in the league, being around that, being the being the center of attention in in Los Angeles on a on a team with a ton of expectations that they fell short of, um, and a front office that apparently didn't like each other because, I mean, Magic Johnson had mm, wasted no time throwing Rob Palenka under the bus um, once he left. So. Definitely not the uh, poster child for organizational togetherness. And, um, you know, when players leave a team like that, I, I don't think they should be expected to, to hold back or sugarcoat his, his feelings for the organization. So I, I really don't have a problem with anything Hart said. And if you haven't checked out the lighthearted podcast interview, um, I would definitely recommend checking it out. There's some stuff on there about, Lonzo's workout with the Lakers. Um, he said it was probably the worst workout by a number two overall pick ever. Um, and that's him saying that. So it, it must have been pretty bad. There was also something that gave me pause. Uh, and it, it was him telling the story of the fact that he had the, his ZO2, the big, the big baller brand release, um, his signature shoe that he got before he even got drafted uh, surprisingly was not ready by the time summer league rolled around in July. So Lonzo ball wore like I'm, these prototypes I'm guessing of, of, of shoes and said they, they ripped, they, they weren't comfortable uh, and they were only good to use for one quarter of play. And during the games, I haven't, I have yet to watch the tape back. But he said in the middle of quarters, his manager, Darren Moore, a.k.a. Demo, um, would switch the shoes between quarters because he could not make it through more than one quarter wearing his, his ZO2 Big Baller brand shoes. Um, I am no physical therapist. But that seems like something he shouldn't have done and should have been advised against doing. Um, but... Uh, not to be rude, but that is a New Orleans problem now. So best of luck to Lonzo, Hart, Ingram, all those dudes. Uh, wish them nothing but the best in New Orleans. Uh, and a question from Antonio at AS uh, or A Salgado 11. My apologies. Uh, will Caruso average a triple-double or quadruple-double? No, but seriously, how disappointing would him not being in the rotation be? Um. Well... So long as Frank Vogel is not Luke Walton, I don't think we should have anything to worry about that. And we've talked about it quite a bit on on the show. I just do not see a world where Caruso isn't in the rotation unless he takes a massive step back on both ends of the floor next season. Because the biggest question surrounding the Lakers' backcourt right now, and you can make an argument that the Lakers have argued, like you, you can make the argument the Lakers have the worst backcourt of any contender in the Western Conference and arguably any contender, period. Because their guard rotation is Alex Caruso, Quinn Cook, Danny Green, Rajon Rondo, Troy Daniels, and Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Um, and, you know, the, they're certainly big names with the exception of Troy Daniels, who's kind of been hidden in, in Phoenix's bench over the past few years. Um 
But in terms of recent production, they haven't been the best, particularly on the defensive end. Um, If I am remembering correctly, Danny Green and Alex Caruso were the only two players uh, on the Lakers roster this season that posted a positive defensive real plus minus um, last season. So uh, not great. Um, And if Caruso can still defend point guards and some shooting guards, there's absolutely no reason he shouldn't be in the rotation. The only way I don't see Alex Caruso being in the rotation is if Avery, Avery, rather, Avery Bradley shows signs of being that Boston Celtics guard he um, he was under Brad Stevens, just a, a 3 and D guard that can hit open three-point shots. I mean, when LeBron James is on the floor, he's going to be the point guard, and really all they need is somebody that can defend the best point guard on the floor and hit open three-point shots. Uh, Avery Bradley can be that. Will he be that? I don't know. He wasn't last season. Uh, and, and even when you take into account his time in Memphis, it's a really, really small sample, guys. Like, let's pump the brakes on the whole Avery Bradley comeback train. I'd be happy to be wrong about Bradley, but boy, there are a lot of question marks on this team, um, whether it's Avery Bradley or, or Dwight Howard. Um, it's a lot of unknown quantities on this team. So uh, that being said, I think Caruso has like had consistent production, whether it's in the G League or in the NBA. The things he does well, he do, he's done well at every level, um, particularly like on defense. Even at Texas A&M, he was like a very good defender. So so long as he can play that side of the ball, um, you know, move the ball around, I think he should average anywhere between you know 16 to 18 minutes per game next season and if he doesn't well get ready for uh 25 minutes per game of Rajon Rondo which I mean what is like genuinely what does he do on this roster I mean he had he had a decent year shooting from behind the arc last season uh, but like the two biggest strengths of this uh, of R- R- Rajon Rondo are his passing and his like locker room leadership, and even his passing is a little much sometimes. He goes assist hunting like he's Elmer Fudd or whatever. Anyway, um, so thanks for the the question, Antonio. I I really hope Caruso plays a, a big role in the team next season because if not. There should be movement um, at the trade deadline. Uh, which, speaking of, our next question comes from Zeller, or at Doc Zeller, uh, asking, will the Lakers ultimately trade Kuz for strength in the backcourt for the future? Uh, I mean, that certainly wouldn't be a bad idea. Um, the only problem is, and Jacob and I talked about this last week, um, most, of the, most of the guys the Lakers signed this past summer are on one plus one deals. So a lot of them can't be traded at the trade deadline unless they consent to it. Uh, so even if the Lakers wanted to package the contracts of, you know, Kuz, Contavious, Caldwell Pope, I think JaVale McGee is another one that, that can be packaged in a trade deal. Uh, Avery Bradley is another. Those aggregate salaries add up to, hold on, let me do quick math here. Um, like roughly 18 million dollars and at that point 
yeah, who who out there is available for eighteen million dollars that's going to move the needle for the Lakers that much? I mean, how much does Eric Bledsoe make? Like fifteen million? He's a clutch client. I guess that would do something for them. Uh, ultimately, though, I think they hold on to Kuzma as long as they can, if for no other reason than when he's up for a new contract. Um, similar to what the Golden State Warriors did with D'Angelo Russell, if they can get a big contract on top of whatever big contract they sign in in 2021, um, if they can keep Kuz, if just for the sake of having a big salary on their contracts when they're already capped out, um, that's going to be big for them, and I'm, I'm sure that's the plan long term. So we'll see what happens. But uh, until Kuzma just uh, until we can rule out Kuzma as a you know number three option or a third star, uh, I think they'll hold on to him. Um, you have another question asking, what do you think of Rob's front office tenure compared to the other newish executives around the league? And that is a very good question rob has yeah and and it's a tough question too because rob has been working under magic johnson for the past two three years uh you know up until the last few months and if we're just going to use the last few months as as the sample sizes to how rob blink is doing i think he's doing just fine could he have more like I don't want to say qual or I don't want to say experience because I mean Kurt Rambis has been in the league for quite some time, uh, but is he the the most qualified? Is is he the cre- is Kurt Rambis the cream of the crop when it comes to to basketball executives around the league? I personally do not think so. Um, I think Polinka would benefit from having you know better basketball minds around him, and the loss of Ryan West was big. Um, but I mean, you still got Joey and Jesse bus around and I'm sure there'll be big parts of the organization with, with Ryan stepping away. Um, and Nick Mazzella as well is, is going to be taking a, a bigger role with the organization. So, um, I think he's done a fine job since the turn of the summer. Um, anything else he did before that, it's kind of hard to pin on him. Like the Lakers drafting Mo Wagner, over like Landry Shamit and and you know guys that like Mitchell Robinson guys that could clearly have made an impact more than Mo. Um, I think you put that blame on on Magic and you know the Mike Muscala for Ibiza Zubac trade. Um, you know who does that go like who who does the blame go to there? The D'Angelo Russell trade, letting Julius Randle walk, all of that. Uh, it's really just tough to say. So, but like I said, at from the start of the summer to now, I I have no complaints with uh, with the way Rob Palinka has operated, other than maybe lowballing Tyron Lue and and steering him to the L.A. Clippers, who I think are going to be very good next season. Um, all right, our next question comes from at its Alvin. Um, how do we load manage this team Raptor style all the way to the finals while still being a top seed? And that is a fantastic question, Alvin, because I do not know myself. Um, LeBron James is 34 years old. 
Anthony Davis is 26, but he picks up like all kinds of just nagging injuries throughout the season. Not like not anything career ending or anything that'll keep him out for months. But like he'll pick up a sprained ankle or a finger bruise that just, you know, limits him to, you know, 65, 70 games and is as I mentioned earlier, um at that center spot in the in the front court they're not particularly deep, uh, so ugh, that's going to be tough for them. And that's why that that's where having a deep team really matters. On paper, the Lakers have depth at every position. What they don't have, though, is is proven depth, or at least like depth that has has proved that they've been valuable recently. Um, and like I said, Howard and Bradley are really good examples of that. Uh, Rondo's a good example of that. He can he play spot minutes at, at the point guard position? Yeah, should he? Probably not. Um, so when when God forbid Alex Caruso or, or Quinn Cook go down for extended periods of time during the season, that backcourt rotation is going to look clunky. And if LeBron James at any point goes down during the season. Um, you look at that three spot and the, the guys you can plug in are what the Kyle Kuzma, Danny Green, uh, I don't know, Taylor Horton Tucker, I guess it's, it gets pretty dark pretty fast. So, um, it would have, they'd have to load manage against like really terrible teams like the Washington Wizards or Charlotte Hornets, um, you know, the Phoenix Suns, Memphis Grizzlies, they're going to have to pick and choose their games for sure. But it's I, I think they have less wiggle room than the Toronto Raptors did last season with Kawhi Leonard just because the Raptors were such a deep team. And they got even deeper after the trade deadline. So, I mean, I guess that's the hope with the Lakers is that they make a move at the trade deadline or, you know, a series of smaller moves that gives them depth or you know veteran help whether it's via trade or via the buyout market by opening a roster spot through a trade um but it is going to be tough and that's a really good question something to keep in mind as the season goes on uh because i am terrified myself all right uh alex we're on or am we're on uh ask what is one move the lakers front office will look back at last season and think WTF were we thinking for me I think it's a Zubots trade and yes the front office did change as well PS keep putting out great content man thank you Alex I do try um, and uh, as as to your question I think yeah the Zubots the Zubots trade <laughs> is still befuddling and that was a legit belly laugh because man I've talked I've talked to so many people and, and, you know, stuff's out there about the Clippers just having a field day with the fact that they got Zubats for what they did. Um, and, and were the Lakers going to pay him the contract that he got, uh, which I believe, if I'm not mistaken, is worth like $7 million, uh per year over four years. It's not a bad contract, um, and it's a tradable contract, I may add. Uh, but I think it's pretty, hold on, let me just 
confirm that contract really quick. Yeah, it's uh, roughly $7 million over four years. Pretty good contract. Um, I was really high on Zubats. Still am. I think he can be a, a valuable player on a, on a championship contending team. But um, the move that will always stick out to me, and I'm sure many Lakers fans feel the same way, is the D'Angelo Russell trade. Because uh, I, I personally just think they, they pulled the trigger much sooner than they had to. Um, and you think about it. You think about players like D'Angelo Russell, Julius Randle, Thomas Bryant, those guys. Um, it, it's hard not to think about how different that Anthony Davis trade package would have looked um, if they kept the Russell around for just one more year or offered Julius Randle a, a lucrative, lucrative contract in the summer only to be flipped in an Anthony Davis trade deal. Maybe the Lakers would still have Brandon Ingram or, or Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, one of those guys. Um you know, I don't think it's an unrealistic ex- expectation that one of those guys still would have been around. The argument then is would LeBron James have come to the Lakers without some financial flexibility? Um, I do not know the answer to that question, but, I mean, by all accounts, it seems like he was coming here anyway. Um, And I'm sure he wouldn't have been turned off by the idea of playing alongside, you know, an up-and-coming point guard and D'Angelo Russell. And I don't know. I don't know. So that's, that's the one that will always stick out to me. Um, I mean, I under, I, the Lakers have Anthony Davis now. Um, you know, I'm not going to go crying about it. Uh, but things could have... There, there, There is, to me, an alternate timeline where the Lakers could have had their cake and eaten it too, even if like they were going to give their cake up um, eventually. So uh, thanks for the question, Alex, and thank you for the kind words. And with that, I believe we are at our last question uh from Juan S Jr 7 um how do the Lakers match up with the Utah Jazz I feel everybody is counting them out nobody's talking about them it's always the Rockets Warriors and now the Clippers the media talks about Utah flying way under the radar um I mean that hasn't been my experience I think the the Utah Jazz have gotten the appropriate amount of respect um since the offseason started they're going to be so good like very very good um Mike Conley was a was a great pickup for them and he's probably the best point guard Utah's had in in quite some time I mean George Hill was was just fine a few years back um but I mean Mike Conley is just a complete completely different level I mean you're talking about somebody that's been one of the most underrated point guards in the NBA for the past you know six years um just a really good player, good defender, plays both sides of the ball. Um, and it and it also put, pushes Donovan Mitchell off of the ball a little more. Um, and it, it, everything we've heard from, from Team USA Basketball Camp, he's ready to make that leap in, in his third year. So we'll see what happens. Um, I, I expect big things from them because not only do, do they have a stellar – returning cast of characters in in Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, Joe Ingles, um I'm forgetting a few Dante Exum, though he didn't play much last season. Um you know, it it's 
they're going to be so good. Uh, and, and then on top of that, they picked up Bojan Bogdanovich, uh, Ed Davis, who I know Lakers fans know well as, as somebody that just does the dirty work on the boards. Uh, Jeff Green, um, a, a reclamation project, and, and Emmanuel Moutier. Um, they're going to be good, man. And um, as, as far as how the Lakers match up with them, I, th- I I mentioned before the Lakers probably have the worst backcourt of any contender in the NBA, uh, and I don't think that's hyperbole either. What they do have, though, uh, is Anthony Davis and LeBron James, and I, I think when it comes to front courts with LeBron James, Kyle Kuzma, Anthony Davis in that closing lineup, um, I I just don't see any team, any of the teams you mentioned, other than than the, the Clippers, how they defend that. Um, so, th- I mean, that's that's really going to be the key matchup w- with the Lakers in, in in that battle against the Utah Jazz whenever they see them in the season. It's just trying to run Rudy Gobert off the floor, which is easier said than, said than done. He's the reigning defensive player of the year. Um, you know, going at Bogdanovich and Ingles, um, just backing those guys down in the post and, and, and bullying the way to the rim because... They're a really well coached team by by Quinn Snyder. Their perimeter defense is is sharp, and um, you know when you have the continuity they do that they have over the last few years, um, you know you you enjoy the fruits of, of of your labor and your patience. And I can totally see that happening with them. I can totally see that happening with the Denver Nuggets next season. Um, so yeah, it's they are they are a team to watch as are the Clippers. Um the Warriors, I'm not sure if I can get on that train um just because boy. I was looking at their forward depth earlier and they are not in great shape. It's like Alfonso McKinney, Jacob Evans, uh Alec Burks, Glenn Robinson the 3rd. Any of those names stand out to you? They do not for me. Um, the Rockets are, are going to be a handful with Russell Westbrook and James Harden. But again, is P.J. Tucker stopping Anthony Davis? Is Clint Capella stopping Anthony Davis? I don't think so. So uh, Western Conference is going to be tough next season. And, and the hope is that the Lakers can make it out. And finally... Make the playoffs and and play some playoff basketball. Uh, so that thanks everybody for your questions. That was a lot of fun. And next time we talk to you, hopefully Jacob will be back. Uh, if he's not, I will be very concerned. Um, if you like our show, leave us a nice little review on iTunes. Um, give five stars if you think it's worth it. And um, you know, follow us on Twitter at LakersSBN. Read my work on the site. Um, And we'll see you all next week.